Hi, it's Tyler from the Awkward Phase, and you're listening to Lost and Reround on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm in Florida, but don't be jealous. Come visit me. Time to get embarrassed with us. It was going to be May, and now it is May. 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 <laughs> Lost and rewound here on Radio Free Brooklyn every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And my name is Alon. My name is Jimmy. We have a guest. Hey, 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 I'm Ryan Parker. That's Ryan Parker. Hello. And if uh, you want to hear him play some Muzak, he will not Muzak. You <laughs> no. have to be very careful the way you over. Well, Muzak is what they play in elevators. Right? No, I, I hopefully the don't opposite do that. of Muzak uh, provided <laughs> by Ryan Parker for uh, Make Music Day on June twentieth in Brooklyn. Yeah, Make Music and in New York, in New York City, all yeah. over New York City. Brook the Lawn. Brook the Lawn and Manhattan. Yeah. Brook Lawn is that what it's actually called? It's all over the. But it's uh, in Manhattan. Yes, it's actually all over the boroughs. I think. Yeah. Okay. So if you all want to see Ryan Parker you playing the music, me. you can find him in. Where did yeah. you say you're going to be in Park Slope I'm and Harlem? I'm definitely going to be probably yeah, but I'll, but I'm most definitely booked for uh, South Slope. Uh, I want to say hold on Fifth Avenue and. Oh, that must be 15th Street, I think, somewhere around there. But if you just look up my name, Ryan Parker, it's going to be fun. We're going to have lots of different uh, musical colleagues swinging by. Yeah. It's going to be a mixture of like jazz, R&B, uh, folk, all sorts of stuff. Thanks so much for being back here, man. It's yes. so good to have you. Yes. This well, is for having our 50th episode on Radio Free Brooklyn. Ah, yeah, yeah. good old 50. The big five O for RFB, and we may have a surprise call, but um, from the Rogues Gallery, yeah, from the exactly. from the Lost Around Rogues Gallery, <laughs> precisely. <laughs> but uh, unfortunately, we were supposed to have Matt Finch. Matt Finch will be back on the show again soon, but we do have Ryan here, and he hey. has he's got tapes, tapes, we, he tapes, got tapes. Jimmy, you've got a little audio as well. I got audio. We've got some audio from myself, but uh, I want to save that for later. We've got uh, quite a bit going on for this show, and again. Donate to us if you want to hear us with financial stability going on into the next season. Season 5 is about to begin soon enough uh, in a few weeks. So Yeah, just like the last season of The Wire, season 5 is going to be epic. Epic. <laughs> it's going to be epic. RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash LAR to sponsor our show specifically and to the community as a whole. RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash pledge where you can donate any amount of money you wish to donate in order to give Radio Free Brooklyn the monies that it requires to be functioning in this world. Yes. You can also send all your submissions to be on the show if you want to be a guest on our program and you've got old tapes. Again, email them to lostandrewound at gmail.com. So let's begin with our first clip in just a little bit. A little Casio now. And then after the little Casio, we go and listen to some clips. Is that is that Jazzy Alon right there? Jazzy Alon. Hey, man, we go and listen to little Casio. We go and listen to some clips, baby. 
It's going to be a great old time. Right down here. Lost in Rewild. Radio Free Brooklyn. Okay. Take a break for one second. Yeah. That worked out speak a tape <laughs> and, and it keys says to the city failure falter falter like i said the failure band, failure <laughs> failure not band. no not yeah exactly <laughs> stuck on you can andrews failure. right i have no idea i saw them once they were really good oh all right all well did or they, at least ken andrews if, that's if the they didn't meet your expectations i feel like Falter would have exceeded my expectations because, for those of you who remember, when Ryan Parker was on the show, he played music from his band from when he was in middle school, and the band of which he had in middle school sounded almost uh, appropriately more like a college band because of the talent, the sheer talent that you had. Did you have a beard back then, too? Uh, No, not yet. Not so yet. you didn't have the sheer facial hair? I didn't have the facial hair, but I could put on a faux Eddie Vedder deep voice. Rrr. I don't know. Good. I don't know anything about flow. Shall I talk about the? Did you what you got to do? All right. So we got. <laughs> so this was this was so a refresher course for those uh, who didn't listen to the episode on which I was featured. I started playing very young, and in middle school, I had two buddies, and we started this rock band and uh, recorded tons of stuff on cassette. Went to a recording studio. Cassette I'm handing over is a evolution of uh, some of the stuff that we heard in my other episode. This is one of the later recordings, right before the band broke up. And this is actually freshman year of high school. But the twist is we were such jerks that we started our set. We hadn't played in a while, and people hadn't seen us in a while. And we started our set on different instruments. Everybody was playing something they shouldn't have been. So we had the drummer playing the bass, we had the bassist playing guitar, and I was playing the drums, and it's totally ridiculous. And you will hear also the very unsatisfied high school audience of friends who were like, what the hell are you guys doing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's take a listen then.
game. Balter sucks. Balter sucks. That indie she's that's that freshman year artsy hardcore yes isn't it great (laughs) oh man okay so that's middle school again right no that's uh freshman year that's freshman year wait in fact i have the date and time here this is even better june 23rd 1995 at 8 20 p.m 8 20 p.m so you were wait but you were you were you were you were you were the opening for a band for uh, another band. I, it was, that sounds it, like an opening band. It time. does, it does. But but you know, this was a we didn't really. It was it was a basement show uh, at our friend's place, which was sort of like the legendary basement punk rock, quote unquote, venue. Um, and, legendary. Uh, yeah, it wasn't. We didn't sort of have like headliners. It was just like this band goes on at this time, this band goes on at that time. It doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. But as you could hear, they were expecting us to play the way what, what ended up, we ended up playing, which was some like artsy, hardcore indie rock. We got experimental and they just weren't prepared. But for we played a joke on them and, and got on all these instruments that we couldn't play very well that we had been fucking around in in rehearsal. So you were playing drums. You were playing, you which, were... which you now, yeah, now, which you now plays. But yeah, at the time. But at the time, it was I had just started playing the drums, and it was really just in rehearsals, right? Um, 
and like on downtime. Right? It sounded so in the in the band. I was normally the lead guitarist, and I was a pretty decent guitarist by that time by whatever indie rock kid standards you know i was always the lead singer guitarist in the band so when we got up and started our set after having you know rocking hard throughout middle school and i went behind the drums and the drummer was playing the bass and the bassist was playing the guitar did everybody like think something magical was going to happen and then it's like totally terrible? i don't think so i think they had they knew us so <laughs> they, they were know. like oh god what are these guys doing okay. <laughs> it would have been great you're like <laughs> they yeah. were like oh all boy. summer long guys you thought we were just around. hanging out but we mastered <laughs> each other's instruments and now we're gonna play oh, our man. songs backwards i wonder if after this moment okay so you learned to play drums and obviously you were Definitely interested in learning how to play drums already, but did the other band members become more proficient in their yeah. uh, non-instruments as yeah, well? Yeah, totally, totally. So that you could get away with doing this, and it actually was like, oh, shit, they really do know how to play Eventually, yeah. I mean, you could hear th- there, there was... <laughs> there was th- it was there was some, some there. sense of musicality. There was some skill, sure, yeah. Yes. I mean, I'm swinging. It's like a, I mean, it's a, it's a shaky you, rock swing. If you want to know what it sounded like to me, yeah, it yeah, sounded like when they have a movie and someone is coming out of like a coma and rock music is playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. I like or if that. they're coming out from being underwater, rock yes, music is playing. Yeah. It's got that like distortion of the underwater. Yeah, well, and I think we played it up a little bit too. Obviously, I mean, you can hear the bass is going like he's he's deliberately playing really dirty and sloppy um and uh <laughs> it was you know it was a joke the song too and you can't of course hear it because that is like the most horrible lo-fi recording i've got worse but that's some pretty bad stuff but the <laughs> song was a song by the first drummer of pavement uh who went out after getting kicked out of pavement for being an alcoholic and unreliable he recorded an album and he had this goofy song called plant man and the only lyrics and so metal what the melody goes like this it's just the plant man knows that the plants will grow the plant man knows where the plants will grow he's the plant man and so like it was just so absurd and everybody knew by that time that our actual falter songs were getting kind of like serious and artsy and we were getting becoming really much more proficient as musicians we were like playing in six and five and and doing more like funky jazz and funk stuff incorporated in the rock so it was a goofy little trick we played on our friends and you could hear they were they were slightly amused but also annoyed (laughs) <laughs> we wasted, you know, 10 minutes of our set or maybe a little less, like just like setting up on the you know, incorrect instruments, playing a goofy song about a plant man. Um, I kind of wish that all yeah. of his songs when he left pavement for being kicked out for being drunk were just about being drunk in places. And kicked out. <laughs> that would, yeah, yeah. That you think you changed my life? Cool. No, you set me up. And now I'm like the messiah of drunk people. <laughs> yeah, right? I just go across the <laughs> lands and people follow me like my drunken yeah. collective. But I like so the reason I chose that recording is because it shows that that kind of uh, it shows a little bit more of our personalities too. Um, we're really yelling at each other and, and and being goofy, so that we we had this we still retained some of that goofiness from the uh, song about the '80s and the Kill Drummers Society and of course uh, uh, all that stuff that we. Even though we were writing more serious rock music, we wanted to retain some of the goofy silliness in our sets. Uh, so that's how we did it. And it also shows that we were how I became a multi-instrumentalist, which was this, like, we just loved playing around on each other's instruments when we weren't actually seriously working on the music. And then that evolved into the drummer actually becoming a decent bassist and even decent amateur guitarist and the bassist 
eventually could play guitar pretty well, uh, good enough for rock and roll. Would you say that you enjoy playing drums or guitar more now? It's it's totally different. I I drumming is 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 just the most you know it's just fun, visceral, and I don't have to think as as much intellectually. I'm sorry, drummers, but <laughs> I just don't have to think as much about you know uh, think about keeping beat. chords yeah. and scales and. Uh, and which which notes are going to work with which chord, and and got to keep the form of the song. I mean, a good drummer should be able to do that stuff, but a lot of them don't. And and it's still it simplifies things to a certain extent. Uh, you you know you're just you're just working about beats and rhythms and how you're uh, enhancing the arrangement of the song with percussion. I mean, viscerally and just like fun wise, sure, but it doesn't satisfy. All my, because I did the study hunger. the hunger. For, yeah, because I studied, you know, I studied music pretty really hardcore. So yeah. I uh, playing guitar, especially more creative guitar, where there's a little chance for improvisation, or there's like more complex harmonies. Maybe you got to get that double on. bass pedal bowler. Uh, <laughs> no, what I, what I need to get is like an organ I can play with my feet. You okay, know, there enough. you go. You know how like organists yes. play with their feet. I can mm. be the drummer that like plays organ with his feet while he drums. If I would I would kill know. if you were able to do <laughs> organ donor by DJ Shadow. <laughs> with, yes. but, but just by but Shadow. just by yourself though. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that would be pretty amazing. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't be Rosal. Yeah, that's that's wild. I can't I can't do two things at the same time, but you hey, you have the ability to do I could get there. Be a multi instrumentalist and single handedly do it all at the same time. Yeah, I, I see. <laughs> There's only I only want to take that so far. I, I really you'll be like the guy on the sidewalk I mean, I with could the monkey do, yeah, grinder. Sure, right? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like the one man band. At, at some point, uh, like if you got a monkey, he can he can use one instrument. One of my closest friends, uh, Andy Emirates, he played keyboards in in a, a indie rock band I played with a few years ago called Parade Grounds, and uh, we did our record release. And during the record release, uh, I played mostly drums. But on a, a few other tracks, I also played piano and guitar, and all the while singing back in vocals. And Andy kept joking. He's like, you're our show pony. You're like the little circus act that we like <laughs> parade around. Like, look at our drummer. He can play a little piano. Look at our drummer. He plays a guitar, too. Doesn't he sing like an angel? He's our little show pony. Uh, I, yeah, still, I, I don't still, want to take uh, that too far. <laughs> I still can't stop making fun of you for the name of that band, man. Which one? Parade Grounds. Remember What's wrong yeah. with that? Remember we talked about this? Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Elon doesn't know. Because I I thought for the longest time it was Parade Grounds. And I was like, that's Parade my... Grounds. I was like, yeah. I was like, man, it's like a metal band name. Yeah. Like, yeah. Guys, <laughs> guys are not a metal band by any means. No, 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 no. And, uh, no. you know, it's just like when, when, when hashtags go wrong. Right. Situations yeah. like that. Yeah. You're like, what did you say? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Whatever. I think it's a good name. It's all right. <laughs> But it does. Sometimes you hear it and you're like, hum- even when you just said it, I heard Playgrounds again. Yeah, yeah, parade, <laughs> the Playgrounds, the Playgrounds. Well, like Anyways. if someone like Irish is gonna be like, oh, you know, the Playgrounds, oh, like that's it, it. It's just that's it's over. over. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Well, check out our videos and recordings at ParadeGroundsMusic.com. You will see it is not metal or Irish religious, and it music. is not spelled P R E Y. No.
Jimmy, let's get into your stuff. You, yes, please. You, you, it's been a while since we've heard any of your input the or output half. or put in general. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yes. Yep, yep. Yes. Okay, all right, but we have to disclose this because uh, these are actually available to be seen online. Yes, you can, you can watch but them. But they are that. so goddamn old that who is going to, I mean, if anyone is going to be listening to this, assuming that they do go to Jim Jammer 717. My college... YouTube it's still up. Yes. Thank, thank you, YouTube, for holding that thing yeah. up over all these years. Uh-huh. It's, it's over. It's eleven years ago that I did. I want to say um, both of the things we're going to listen to, right? I think yes. they're both eleven years old from my freshman year of college. Yes. So this well, is but, but so one of them, uh, only one of them features your likeness, and another one is something. Cool one of them, I exactly. One of them, I just edited together, and I collected all of the sound bites, and I and I created a. A sound story, if you will, from people's interviews and stuff like well, that. Well, one of them is me. Yeah, one of them. Well, is let's me listen to me. the one that's you first. Okay, let me prep this uh-huh. uh, because going into it with raw ears, <laughs> I feel like what am I? <laughs> what is going on right now? <laughs> I went to film school. I'm not a filmmaker right now, but uh, I went before they had um, went to Emerson College in Boston before oh, they had. Yeah. Uh, what do you call it? Like specific majors in film. Like that, was, that started after I went there. So now they have cinematography. Concentration, yeah. Concentration. So they didn't have that when I went. So you just took everything. And um, I was taking what was actually intro to film, and they put you on these cameras, I want to say called Bolex. And they were like 100-year-old film cameras where you got to thread the thing and you got to edit it you know, with the splicer, cutting oh, it up wow. and taping it together. And yeah. you got to go to the dark room and all this. And uh, it was fun. It was definitely a good experience. The deal is like where you you make a cut and you're like no that's my cut like every so often you'll recut it because it's like such such a frustration you get to see basically the the roots of film but because of that audio and video was not captured at the same time uh, for years and years so there were so many times when they would just have to dub it on later and because we couldn't capture audio at the same time we were before they was doing any sort of sync and stuff like that I thought it'd be great I said what's a, a classic style of film where the sync on the sound is off. Kurosawa. Yeah, I was thinking exactly. Like, all those, you know, over-the-top kung fu movies kung and stuff fu, like yeah. that. So my ins- my inspiration for this was actually the films that they based, or rather that they sampled for Wu-Tang. Oh, yeah. And I actually did sample Wu-Tang Clan, the films, not the raps. I sampled the films, um, and I used, I used, like, some sound clips from that. So this is me... Uh, one of my ex-girlfriends, actually, she plays the voice of one of the characters in it. And uh, so I did this voiceover to just kind of make the story make sense. And again, if you guys want to see the video, Jim Jammer 717 at YouTube, um, it'll blow your mind. Yeah. I mean, it, it, the visuals are very important for this. But, but the audio is, is, is The is audio the is so good. It's so good. <laughs> Let's do this. Here we go. A long time ago, in a place... Where Kung Fu was as normal as sliced bread. There was a young man who trained for he had to avenge a certain murdered brother. A mature for the tiger. Shadow Bomb. Dragon Feast. Haberdashery. Lotus Blossom. Recognize this style? <laughs> Ultimate combo. Crane strike. This is for you. 
You really think you can match the imperious forces of my Kung Fu style? Watcha! Pathetic! Oh, you thirsty? You wanna drink? No, Kiki. You're so beaten. Oh, no. How can this be? So he trained and trained for the final battle was not in the field, but in his mind. <laughs> Sorry for the uh, over-the-top terrible accent, but I just was I was recalling how when you would watch those, they would actually have these terrible dub yeah. voiceovers. Don't, don't apologize. That's that, what were, it's like. that were that <laughs> were really hokey accents, like terrible Chinese oh accents. Oh my god! So I tried to do like my worst. Yeah. One and uh, Dude. so I'll, so the story uh, just to fill anybody in that didn't get it. Um, <laughs> there there was a sprite bottle involved. Yes. because that's so hip hop. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, uh, basically, in the beginning, there's 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 me, and I'm training in a space which was actually us was just doing camera tests, and that was what inspired me. I was doing camera tests. I just started doing kung fu because I thought that'd be fun, and then I was like, "Let's do like a whole kung fu movie." And then I had like <laughs> the camera test left so, left over, and right. I was like, "Oh, let me just like cut that's that together at the it. end." Yeah. yeah. So at first, it's me, and I'm like training, and I'm and I'm and I'm, and I'm remembering when my brother got killed. My brother got killed by this other kung fu master. And basically, at one point, he taunts her when he's beaten her. Like, he, they're fighting, he's beaten her, and he's just like, Oh, you thirsty, you want a drink? Which <laughs> <laughs> I just remember, like, that classic thing of being taunted. And then he looks back, and she's gone. And then he dies, and then she's drinking his drink. And, <laughs> and, then, um, and then it's like her walking away. You're right. With, it was a sprite. It was a sprite. And then in the end... It's like I'm supposed to be now confront. I'm like I, I find his body, right? So I'm like, oh! <laughs> I have to confront the other kung fu master. But it was me. It was it in my was head. You. I killed my own brother, um, and it was a chick. So it's like, yeah, it's very deep. It was very deep stuff. It wasn't. And in the, in the film, it's not actually my ex girlfriend. It was a different person. It was a film student. What was the first kung fu movie you ever saw? <sighs> the first kung fu movie I ever saw. Um, that'd be hard to say. I want to say it would be a Jackie Chan movie. Or Bruce Lee movie, hmm. and I want to say maybe like Rush Hour, Probably, um, because yeah. I, that was like a movie that we watched a lot as a kid yeah. for like um, a, for a mainstream audience. Though, yeah, sure. and that was big at the it was. time. It was, yeah, it was really big when I was a kid. And then yeah. I definitely remember seeing, uh, you know, Enter the Dragon and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And um, Enter the Dragon was not the one with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, though, was it? I don't know. Mm, That's don't a good remember. question. But I, I, I have seen that scene. Yeah, there was the whole that thing. That scene with, is intense. It's so cool because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is like his really bad eyesight. 
and they're in this really dark area, and he's like trained in this dark area, and then Bruce Lee realizes the way to beat him is to like punch out the light, so right. little beams of light, and he's like battling him into the light. Oh right. man, Kung Fu is just Classic. it's yeah, it's just so great. It's <laughs> well, just so great. It, it's even better in that scene too, specifically that I was thinking of because I, I was wondering just how much inspiration you took from scenes, especially of the Bruce Lee variety. Right. That scene specifically is so powerful because there's very little talking in it. It's just yeah. like two, three straight minutes of fighting with the sound off by a little bit, even though Kareem Abdul-Jabbar isn't speaking Japanese, but the audio, the the sound effects that are going on there are pretty much the only dominant audio in that scene. Yeah, I would say and that it's beautiful. Bruce Lee was definitely doing the kung fu for an American audience. You know, the fact that he brought in like not only an American actor, but right. like a very famous basketball player. Exactly. Well, yeah, because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar isn't even much of an actor. He's just a huge, he was just a huge fucking guy. T- well, yeah. he, he was an airplane of all things oh, as well. Right. Yeah, oh, yeah. So he did do like sort of like um, O.J. Simpson. He be, he was just became a big big name, and they right. just put him into stuff. And he wasn't an actor. And the same way Shaq was not an actor, but there's like multiple Shaq movies, you know. Right. Um, so the best thing is that like so I finally did get a chance to watch in college. A lot of those old movies they based Wu Tang on, one of which was called Mystery of Chess Boxing. Mm. And if you watch that, it's so Chinese. It's always in like um, an ancient form of China, and there's always a story that has to do with like a very classic Chinese style myth. Right. And the one that, and Mystery of Chess Boxing, which they have a song with the same title, they actually in that movie is the character Ghostface Killer. Oh, wow. right. Yeah, and he's not Ghostface Killer. He's the Ghostfaced Killer. Right. And the Ghostfaced Killer is the man. He's so cool. And he has this whole technique that he does. And his technique is that he, uh, well, he's like a bad dude. He's an evil guy. And he goes, and I believe he's like stealing land from people. And he goes to their area and he jumps straight up in the air and like lands on their shoulders. And then he goes, bum, 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 which they do in Wu-Tang all the time. And like, it's just, he snaps their neck with his, with his ankles. Goes, wow. and, just, and then he just drops to the ground and they're dead. And it was like, I could see why a rapper was like, I'm going to be awesome. that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not even going to like come up with my own rap name. I'm just going to be that guy. And he's got a goofy sound effect that I could use. They use these really over-the-top um, costumes in those things, too. And there's a whole kung fu school and stuff like that that you know Jackie Chan went to. And Jute Jet Li, apparently, I think they were in the same kung fu school. Sure, was a sure. big deal. And uh, But in these movies, they would wear this over-the-top like eyebrows and mustaches right. and long beards. And that's like a signature of these films. And they'd yeah. be wearing like the classic garb. But somehow Ghostface Killer was the only one that didn't look ridiculous. Like he, his mustache looked actually decent. And it was like, it was gray rather than being over the top. Mm-hmm. White. Um, oh, God. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I that reminds me of one of the great uh, shout out to the being a dork uh, mystery <laughs> science theater episodes. I don't know if you guys know what mystery science theater is, listeners. I'm sure these two do. I'm sure our, most of our listeners. Oh, okay. I'm getting a yeah. Netflix account just so that I could watch the new. The new one. There's ones. the new one. Yeah, yeah. I haven't You're seen good, it yet. Dude. Um, but anyways, Pat there's, Oswald, there's right? this one. Uh, I think it's on Hulu. Yeah, it's definitely on Hulu. You can check this out on Hulu. There's an episode of Mystery Science Theater where they do a really bad kung fu movie called Castle of Fu Manchu. Ooh. And it's so racist. They have like white people playing the Asians, but they're, oh, obvi- they're obviously like trying to model their acting off of those Chinese kung fu movies. And 
Oh boy, is it special. I highly recommend it if you like oh man, that kind I, of thing. I just looked up a picture of the Ghostface Killer to show you that he doesn't look that ridiculous, and he looks so ridiculous. <laughs> well, but everything's relative, <laughs> right? That's not that ridiculous compared to some of the stuff we've seen. Yeah. And the stuff in this, uh, like I said, Mystery Science Theater, Every Castle from Entry, prosthetic, they, prosthetic totally eyebrows is, is so yeah. great, I feel. <laughs> Everything <laughs> about the Ghostface Killer's face is in lockstep with how it should look, except then he's got a brown mustache. He's got a brown mustache and very silver hair. It would be like Christopher Lee, but with a dark brown mustache. It just would not make any sense. No, it's definitely like, it's obscure. It doesn't. He's got uh, the the evil classic laughing face. I will destroy you, my kung fu. Well, Jimmy, I think you did a great job uh, lambasting and, and satirizing, but also paying tribute to the wonderful form of kung fu voiceover. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I guess for me, as like a person that likes doing voiceover and stuff like that now, I guess the only question I have for you guys is, could you distinctively tell when you were listening that I was doing two different characters in that? Yeah. Or did it sound? Because I had the character that was me had a oh, much deeper yeah, voice. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the guy who was the other guy oh, that, yeah. that killed my, well, my brother. And, oh, no, hey, my brother's I, I, voice. I'd like to also. take it a step further and say that I could have probably gotten uh, three different or four different characters from there. It was hard for me to tell when I, at least the first time I heard it and was watching it, I guess, that there was actually more than two characters. It just seemed like there was all these voices. And he was having like these flashbacks. Mm-hmm. You'll never be good. You'll never be good. You'll never Fair be good enough. either. <laughs> well, enough. I, you know what? Uh, I noticed um, on the uh, YouTube account that Jimmy Jammer seven one. What is it? Jim Jammer. Jim Jammer. Jim Jammer seven one seven only has three subscribers. So I would urge <laughs> urge our our loyal audience. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, subscribe. And, and watch out. and watch, watch eight, the video. nine year old, if not four, ten, eleven have year old Jim, Jim there's, Jim four, there's four films on it. Um, two we we will never be able to use for this show because two of them use copyright. Um, no, one is just a music video, so it would be it would be pointless, pointless. to play yeah, yeah, yeah. the song. Right. We would but play. when we come back from the break, we've got another one that is a documentary that I did about Andy Warhol, and I will I will preface this by saying that when I went to film school, I would get assigned essays, right. and I would. I would come into my teacher and premise and go, hey, can I just do a movie instead? And they'd be like, that's like more work. And I'd be like, yeah, that's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to listen to a little bit of that. Boston Rewound, Radio Free Brooklyn. We are diving right back into another one of the Jimmy Jammer Slammer Panorama. <laughs> Jim Jammer Mammer, 717. Mammer. Check it yeah, out on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this is a, a, a mini doc that you produced and uh, directed called Andy Warhol Consumerism. Yes. Yeah, so um, this is a documentary technique that I invented in school called uh, my documentary essays, where I would use people's common knowledge about a topic I was supposed to be writing about. And I would weave the web from that. And I would say, well, this isn't what is really... This isn't what's really the, the story, but this is what everybody feels 
is the knowledge. This is what the general accepted knowledge of what this is is. So if I didn't go to like an essay or read this out of a book, I've asked everyone around me like in the olden, olden days, this is what I would get. And teachers were always really into it. And I, to me, it was like the easiest thing in the world because right. I just run and gun, shoot all my friends, uh, ask them a bunch of questions, and then uh, see what I got out of it. And it, they used to turn out pretty decent. So let's take a listen. Because I like, I need you to remind me who Andy, like I know who Andy Warhol is. I know who Andy, Andy Warhol is. No, I name, do. Name is Famous Painting. Name one Famous Painting. No, I can't. Oh, no! Come on! Oh, that's embarrassing. You want to know the deal with Andy Warhol? You want to know why he's such hot shit? I'll tell you. Two words. I know that he was an artist. He was a painter. I know that Andy Warhol pissed on bronze and they put it in the motherfucking MFA. What the fuck? Kind of a piece of crap, I think. Uh, And he was kick-ass... Uh, I know Andy Warhol was quite possibly uh, the most creative uh, artistic genius of kind of like the mid-50s to uh, late 60s. Great hair. I know that he has really wild, white, bleach hair. Every famous person needs great hair, right? And Andy Warhol started off the movement. And he also made a lot of pop art. That was actually rather commercially successful while, successful while he was still alive. Oh, and I remember he had this thing called uh, the factory. There was that whole factory thing, and apparently he would, like, hire workers to make art for him. Like assembly line style. He just had, he just had something about his quaff that was just perfect. It was almost engineered to be famous person's hair. Think about it. Dorso. Donald Trump. Nike. Uh, Frank Zappa. Old Navy stands out. John Lennon. Wilkham Stone, I don't know why. Uh, Cher. Twinkies. 100%. Great hair. Campbell Soup. That's what makes a great, a great artist, is his hair. He was, everything taken up about the art world, like, collapsed together. He wanted to destroy the genre, and he did in some sense. I mean, he completely changed everything we define visual art as. I I don't know. I feel like art is an integral part of our culture. Art is about constantly reinventing. I feel that art is culture. And and redefining. Culture is based on art. When society's down, art's down. When society's angry, art's angry. And it gets a little crazier than that. A very large amount of Andy Warhol work is in this museum at Gap Incorporated that is pr- that's private. You can't, go, you can't go there. <laughs> he made a lot of short films that were kind of kinky sexually from people like Edie Sedgwick who later shot him. Like Andy Warhol's uh, Marilyn Monroe. He reproduced her image multiple times. It's like a symbol of mass production and consumerism. But I think that America really has turned into a consumer you know, uh, selling country um i think brand labels become staples of the culture otherwise people wouldn't spend so much money on clothing i think it's a way to uh, represent yourself a brand name is what is displayed on one's clothing and that initially when you first see someone that represents kind of who they are they've lost the sense america really has lost the sense of quality versus product Do for me. Do for me.
really is, I mean, you hear it a lot, but it really is a true statement that art influences life and life influences art. Every great, you know, social movement just happens to coincide with great art movements. Bravo, bravo. Yeah, you even put on uh, the Clap Your Hands song so that people would know when to applaud. There you go. <laughs> Perfect. Clever. Yes. So that yes. you you got to like pass that off as an essay? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. You I did are, that a few times. You are a swindler. The one that, I am impressed. Though I have to find it. It's on one of my uh, drives somewhere. I never uploaded wow. this. But the one that's even better than that is where I did one that I had to do about something historical in Boston. And I did it on the Longfellow right, Bridge. The Longfellow Bridge. You were talking about that. Yeah. And I, last time you were here, I think. No. Oh, but, I don't did know, I mention maybe. that? But, I, but the best thing about that is it was all misinformation. There was this one at least had some semblance of history, and right. there was a message somewhere, right. and you're something you're getting something out of it. The other one was just Completely jokes, wrong. and people were like, "Yes, Longfellow." You know, they said it because he had a single long nipple hair, and, it's just <laughs> like, and I turned that in and got a grade on that. Yeah. So. Wow. Never mind the amount of effort necessary to do a film. This I guess is... it was communication school. Sure, yeah, Emerson, yeah. I never took. I didn't. I took one science class, and there were no math classes in the school. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like Emerson. Humanities <laughs> and sciences. That was the same thing. I don't think I ever took a math class at college. I was well, very that's lucky. Pretty standard, I think. I was very lucky. Well, if you go to like any sort of normal, not arty college, like not communications college, you're getting hammered with math. No, you were talking like in a liberal arts – because I went to a liberal arts program, and yeah, you had to do like distribution credits. It wasn't a lot of classes though, and it was you – you could choose like math or science, and a lot of the classes were like kind of a joke. Well, the math classes, I feel like most people take in college is like stat. Everyone takes statistics. Right? Well, right, right, but that's that's actually functional. That's like social statistics for social sciences, right, or statistics for whatever, political science or something. That's actually useful. I remember when I was in high school, I like, you know, in, in New York you have the regents exams and stuff, and I took the regents and finished it in, in junior year, and they put me in math in senior year. And I was like, did I fulfill my math requirement for, like, graduation? Right. And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, well, why am I in a math why class? Why don't I stop doing this? Yeah, it's like they were like, because you want to be prepared for college. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to do anything with math, though. Silly. I'm not going to be an engineer. Silly. I'm not going to be a scientist. Instead, so... you engineered some goofy documentary <laughs> and got college credit for it. Yeah, they switched me, yeah, actually, yeah. from that math class into photography class. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's good. And go. I was like, yo, put me in advanced photography. Skip me out of that intro. And they were like, why? And I was like, because I'm a G. Yeah, you got to make education your own. You got to be your own advocate. That's good. You man. know what's funny, though? I did that, and they put me in the advanced one, and it was because I knew the professor, and I knew how to do photography to a degree, so I just wanted the more advanced techniques. But then they came to me, and they were like, you're, I remember in school, they were like, you're Hispanic, right? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, you speak Spanish? And I was like, nope. <laughs> like we're gonna put you in Spanish three, and I was like, what? I'm gonna fail. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, no, but you're Spanish. And I was like, this is probably oh, the most racist way racist. To, fa- to fail a kid out of anything. <laughs> um, and I didn't fail it because I never failed a class growing up. Wow. But what instead I did is I got like just passing. So they wanted to put me in Spanish five, and I was like, no, no. I I just pulled that out of my ass. I don't know how I made it. Got to put me in Spanish one, and there was all this like, you know bureaucracy stuff I had to go through to go back and then take Spanish 3 a second time and it was like it was nuts I luckily didn't ever have to worry about taking a class in college uh, twice but because my freshman year was such a disaster 
I had they they gave me like a whole lot of options as to how to make up for the credits that I didn't otherwise get right. in my first semester. So like they instead of taking an essay class that I was supposed to have passed, I ended up taking academic writing. And incidentally, that was a, a blessing in disguise because they gave me the opportunity in this class to do like a persuasive argument and do like some investigative journalism back home. Uh, and I learned oh, a lot cool. about the Grand Union's uh, demise and why a CVS pharmacy took over the only grocery store in town. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Overall, I would say that I didn't get those passes. And if I had to take a class, it was in most cases going forward is because I did not fulfill requirements and I just needed to do anything I could to fulfill like a language requirement, for example, or fulfill this uh, writing requirement. I, I always I felt like I was always trying to find loopholes really yeah, yeah. yeah freshman year was was the hardest year of college for me easily yeah, for, for me. sure i mean yeah. for one there's just the adjustment period to like i'm yeah. an adult now and i gotta feed myself and yada yada you know and i'm not living in the same city and stuff but right. the classes were core classes and all those core classes involved more um grunt work in my mind you know banging it out when i was doing stuff you know later on in school it cost me money for one like we had projects where they were like this project will cost you a thousand dollars whoa you have to know that going in if you don't spend that money you'll fail whoa. and it was because it was like film school and they they can't provide everything for you they can right. provide you the cameras but you got to pay for the film and you got to pay for the processing and stuff like that huh. so i feel like at that point it was the pressure was a lot more of like we can't screw up because we don't have another thousand bucks yeah you you're, inve- you're literally invested in your own education yeah well and the, and the subject is more you know like related to what you actually want to do yeah and then plus a lot of the stuff later on in school was like when i did have stuff like the more difficult classes it was like critical thinking stuff it wasn't like you know do a 20 page paper it was like you need to find the reason for that and write a paper about it but if you don't get the real reason then yeah you're not gonna get the grade because the the class that i did the best in college which i thought was one of the hardest classes was media criticism theory Mm -hmm. we would watch Mm -hmm. the same film 10 times in class then you'd be assigned to go home and watch it 10 more times and stuff right. and you'd like look past the film and look deep and find all the things that were there right. but they would give you movies where their things were actually there to find right. <laughs> not just like go and have fun on this wild goose chase and then after you watch it 20 times you find out that they were all on drugs and there were no secrets but <laughs> <laughs> but they had ones where there was like every scene was something you know the guy was putting so much effort into it all the stuff he wanted you to read into it, you know? Yeah. yeah. Criticism. It's fun. It's one of those things I find an appreciation now for rewatching stuff um, when I do know that the director cared a lot about. So we have a call 
we have a very, very, very special call on the air. Mystery guest, introduce yourself. Oh, hey, this is Jay Miller. Oh, you should introduce me. I introduce you. <laughs> you only have a few minutes. Jay Miller from Impractical well, Jokers. I think, it's weird. I think it's weirder for me to introduce myself. You're currently on set, man. You have very little time to talk. <laughs> yes, I'm currently in the middle of shooting Impractical Jokers, but of course I had to take the time out and call in to the show for your big celebration. Yes. Yeah. Appreciate it, brother. Good to hear from you. We're really grateful that you were able to call in at the last minute uh, to uh, show your love. We have even a clip that I we... I have to. 500 episodes. That's, you know... That's <laughs> <what I know. laughs> it's a special achievement. This is true. Where's the shoot that you yeah. have right now? We're shooting in... Uh, uh, is this live? No. No, no. no don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, good. Because we're shooting in uh, Washington Square Park. <laughs> uh, you don't want anybody coming and going, oh my god, a practical joke is like all those guys, yeah. like the jokers themselves yeah, are going to yeah. be there? <laughs> That's no, cool. it's just, just hanging out. It's beautiful out and it's, uh, you know, it's you... nice. What can I say? Well, yeah. Hey man, spring, spring day time, man. It's here. We wanted to get it to is. we wanted to get to a clip of yours uh, that uh, you sent a while back that we didn't get a chance to play the last time. We were lucky enough to have you on uh, when we first began season four, which is why we had you back because we're we were hoping to reach out to some of our season four guests, and you had provided us a gobs of clips. Shall we listen to I this? I have no idea. I have no idea what this clip is, which is very exciting. Okay. Oh, all right. What is this? Oh, this was like this was like one of the first times I did stand up. And this was the girl, this, oh, I think it's the girl who went on before me. Terrible. <laughs> I love it. Oh no, this is my first stand up. This is probably. I just said go. This is really bad. And it was what what year was this? Might have been 1996. Woo. So this is like 20 years ago. Wow. And I don't know. You know what? You could probably jump into the middle somewhere. Okay, I'm jumping to three minute mark. This is real. Yeah. We're not editing this out, folks. This is all the way it goes. Keep it going. We keep going. Does that sound like me yet? Not. Yes. There's much more there where that came from. Is is, is this? 
That where was that again? <laughs> Oof. Are you First okay? Oh, that's me. I'm just doing a Norm McDonald impression. I'm just like, you know, I don't know why I have like a Canadian accent <laughs> while I'm doing it too. Because like, all yeah, the... I'm not gay, you know. Uh, you you know, know, I'm not gay. Definitely not gay. That's so... um, it's also funny. I did that have a really. It, it's so sure non-PC. Have... It's so '90s. Like it's a different era uh, of talking it's about terrible. homosexuality. I'm definitely not not proud of it. <laughs> but I do have a good joke. I do have one good joke in there, which is, uh, what's the best thing about having sex with your sister? Is that when you're done, you don't have to drive her home. <laughs> <laughs> So that one still holds up. Years later. <laughs> oh my goodness, Jay Miller, I salute you. We salute you here in the studio yes, at Austin. This, wow. this was a lovely drop in one of my. I'm absolutely like peachy right now. Well, uh, You're saying? Uh, well, I gotta run. I gotta run. Thank you guys. Congratulations on your episode. Thank For you, sure, sir. Man. Have a great day. All right. Gotta wrap up. We gotta wrap up. We gotta wrap up. We gotta wrap up. We gotta wrap up. Wrap it wrap. Ribbity wrap. Ribbity wrap. Ribbity 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 wrap. So that was that was totally yeah. That was a totally unexpected call. I can't believe that actually happened. I I must admit, like maybe just like tell him like offhand, like hey, we're doing this show. Maybe a little bit during the show, I had been texting him, being like, just call when you can. And he sent me a photo of him on the set, and I was like. I'm really sorry. I don't want to do this. I'm thinking to myself, like, if I was in that position and I had a friend who had a radio show or podcast and was asking for me to call in while I'm on set (laughs) and I'm just some lowly extra, I would be so uncomfortable. I'd be like, I don't know what to do. But he's not an extra. He's a producer. Oh, no, I know. But it's it's either way. You're being busy on set. Yeah. But as a producer, you might get his, his moment away. Yeah. But that's a, like he said, it's a very successful show. I mean, it is. At this point, he's riding high. Jay so Miller, I'm we salute very you. Very happy for him. And yeah. Ryan yeah. Parker, not Correct. to be uh, outdone in terms of success, this this gentleman here in our studio right now has hey. been full of activity, ever the workhorse in yeah, terms so of what's music. That, uh, again, what's that show you got going again? So uh, say the, one more the time. Open for the Hydrant. Team. It's the last Thursday of each month. That's uh, one of the bands I play with, Turnpike. Um, yeah. And uh, we Editing do the stuff. fourth Thursday of, of every month at Freddy's Bar and Back Room. And then, like we mentioned earlier, that I'll I'll be uh, playing at Make Music New York. I have a bunch of other smaller gigs, but we don't need to talk about those. Um, and you're and still, I'm still teaching music. Still teaching the music. Teaching so music. you want to learn children. from the yeah. multi-instrumental adults, master, yeah. Ryan yes. Parker. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, Ryan. Yeah, Appreciate it. Me. And Matt Finch, wherever you are, we know you'll be back. Sorry you couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. And uh, sorry to all my listeners who are, were so very hoping that I would finally share my clip that I keep on teasing and teasing. <laughs> and one day I'll play it. 
for the right reasons and with the right people, it will happen. I, I feel like I'm un- waiting to unleash it like the Kraken. Dude, it's <laughs> unleash the Kraken. I have like the audio Kraken, that audio Kraken, baby. I haven't made it happen yet, though, but it will happen. So, again, if you have any exciting clips to share with us, lostandrewound at gmail.com. For your own audio Krakens, all your own beasts you have got chained up and waiting in the briny deep. We want to hear them. Lost and Rewound, Radio Free Brooklyn. We'll see you next week for our season four finale. Take care, guys. Enjoy that day. Damn it, Ryan.